You've seen their TV shows. You've watched their webcasts. Now, Hartigan and Stapes invite you to Poker in the Ears. Hello, my babies, and welcome to Poker in the Ears. Me, I am Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton. He, he is my work wife, James Hartigan. James, are you feeling better? I am, actually. I'm almost fully recovered. Still have a bit of a tickly cough, but otherwise, fine. I was going to say, Joe, happy birthday. I've decided, as a safety measure, I'm just going to say happy birthday every week from now on <laughs> to ensure I don't miss the next one. Dude, you, I don't care about people missing. I took it down off social media. I don't care about being wished <laughs> happy birthday, but thank you. Coming up on today's show, we are running it down in Reno and then back up again and then down again. There's lots to talk about. Lots going on here in Reno. Uh, we've been playing poker. We've been playing other poker. We've been doing stand-up comedy. We've been playing pickleball. What the fuck is pickleball? You're going to find out later on in the show. We've been watching Survivor, although that hasn't happened yet. That's happening tomorrow night. Does pickleball involve, like, pickled onions floating in vinegar? It it, it does not. Oh, luckily. I thought it might be something like It is like an actual game. sport. It is a sport, and I've been playing pickleball with a Survivor contestant, 17-time Survivor contestant, and at least one-time winner, Tyson Apostle, will be joining us on the show today. Now, Joe, I don't know a lot about Tyson. I met him for the first time in the Bahamas at the PSPC. I don't really watch Survivor. Is that an exaggeration? Has he genuinely been on the show 17 times? That is an exaggeration, but he's been on many times. He's like one of the more popular characters, so they keep bringing him back. (laughs) And uh, he's he's polarizing on the show. I think that the people who like Survivor are are either love him or hate him. Okay. And uh, he's pretty polarizing in life, too. Can't wait to talk to him later on. This week on Superfan vs. Stapes, it's a little movie I like to call The Departed. Yes. Bostonian cops and gangsters. It was the first Scorsese movie I ever liked. Was like, wow, what a great movie! Oh, and it's probably weird. my guess is regarded as like one of his just okay ones, right? I no, I actually think it's better than average. But it is weird that it's the one that won him all the Oscars when he's clearly made better films that were more deserving of accolades. But more on that film later on. I'm gonna guess based on the amount of shilling you've done for various gigs and events you've been at in the last few days that you've probably not had much time to watch anything in the last week. I had a, like a like a close call last night. I got done with work about 1.30. I had to be up at 6.30 for this podcast, and I debated watching the succession finale, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go to bed. I'm not going to do it because I always, I always regret it. It's not a show that anyone really talks about. Um, it, it's not like Game of Thrones where you can't get through yeah, two hours my, of your life without people spoiling it, for example. It's true, but my Twitter has already had like, because people think they're clever with All Succession, right. right? So my Twitter's had like a couple of tiny little spoilers. but And then also people around here in Reno have been uh, taking, like sneaking off to the rooms to watch El Camino, but I haven't had a, a chance to watch that either. Is it wrong? And don't get me wrong. I, I, I love Breaking Bad. I thought it was a very good show. And I, I think I like Better Call Saul even more. And yet I have no enthusiasm about this i have no desire to watch it i'm it it could be great and i could be missing out on something here but i can't help but feel this is unnecessary Uh, to me it kind of feels like the star wars christmas special (laughs) like we don't we don't need it like whatever it is we didn't need it it was totally fine the way it was so have you ever watched that by the way have you ever seen the star wars 
Christmas no. holiday special. No, I've I've managed to basically because of the internet now it's not as fun. You well, know, because we have access to all this stuff. But back in the day, like you had to borrow a bootleg tape. Oh from my somebody god! I mean, it was so scarce. It. And what I love is in the Disney era, they're not as protective over this stuff. Like George Lucas went out of his way to stop this thing from being anywhere, and now it's all over YouTube. It is worth watching just so you can question. Maybe we should do it for what? our Christmas episode. I mean, there's no poker connection, but hey, it's like it's you just stare at it, thinking, "What the fuck?" Like. Who came up with this? Who wrote it? What were they thinking? I it, think we can just say B. Arthur was a poker player and make that our okay. poker connection. There you go. <laughs> it's in. It's in. Um, just want to talk about some activity on social media in the last few days. Some Twitter feedback. First of all, lots of praise for last week's guest and last week's super fan. Thank you for all your tweets. Cool. But John Delano was disappointed that we didn't have time for a stupid game with Jamie Kerstetter. Sorry, John, we had limited time with Jamie, but maybe we'll have her on again in the future. And if there's one thing I know is if Joe's had an idea or Joe's done some prep for something, he's not going to let it go to waste. <laughs> or worse than that, he may just apply that game to another guest in the future, even though they know nothing about dogs. Yeah, that could that could very well have happened. Uh, and also, John Delano is an awesome, supportive guy. Thanks a lot, man. My friend was having a Kickstarter, and John donated twice to it. That was really kind of him. Thanks, buddy. Um, the other constructive criticism we received was from Peter Miller, who was disappointed that we didn't talk for longer about what he calls the biggest poker story of the year. And clearly, he's talking about the Mike Postel story, but I thought we kind of set out our stall with this one, which is, number one, and this is what you said, Joe, Pretty much everything that can be said at this stage has been said. That's point number one. Point number two, and this is where I'm a little bit old-fashioned, and it probably comes from my days as a journalist. I just don't like random speculation and guesswork and theories, and I like facts, and I'm quite happy to wait until we know more and actually have more substantial information to go on because I don't think it's particularly helpful for two random guys on a podcast to be going, well, I think it was person A helped by person B and person C was definitely in on it. Not sure about D and E, but they're a bit dodgy and they must have had help from person F. It's not going to get us anywhere. And we now know, in addition to the civil lawsuit that was filed, in addition to the independent investigation that the casino has authorized, it looks like there's a federal investigation into this as well. So, this has got a long way to go, and I'm quite happy to let those guys do their work, utilizing the great research that others have done, people like Joe Ingram, to actually get to the bottom of this, and then we can discuss it when the facts are laid bare, rather than just, as I said, guesswork. Top men are on it, James. Top men. Also, the biggest poker story of the year, uh, PSPC2, thank you very much, Plan Poker Stars. Okay, so this is the second biggest poker story of the year. Um, the three things that I do know, the three things that we can say, and I'm kind of reiterating, Joe, what we went over last week to a certain degree, is that Scott Van Pelt on SportsCenter, on ESPN, gave a very excellent summary of the story so far. And the reason why I keep urging everyone to watch that is because Scott Van Pelt is a better broadcaster than I'll ever be, and I can't do a better job than him. So watch his take on it, or his summary of the story. The second thing, as we both said last week, this is not good for the perception of poker, and it really disturbs me that it's getting so much attention because it makes it look like this is prolific, and I'd like to think that this is not widespread in the game, especially around live streams of 
cash games and tournaments. And the final thing, and I guess to build on what we said last week about our own setup, I have every confidence that we are secure. We have a custom-built graphic system that we use on our EPT streams that is not in any way connected to a network. We use an encryption system with our RFID cards that, again, I believe is 100% secure, and we change those cards frequently. Plus, I have every faith in the people who work on our streams. I mean, Joe, you've been uh, around this team almost as long as I have. We trust these guys. Most of them are employees of the company, and the freelancers we use have been doing this for nearly a decade now. I also think that um, – I just agree with you. I just don't th – I don't think it would ever – whatever happened for us I, I i do have one other slight disagreement with you and that i don't know this might end up being net positive for poker really I, i've been thinking i've been thinking a lot about it lately okay and i uh, look is it on the surface does it look and sound bad absolutely but i almost feel like poker is kind of a game where um people think of it like this in these terms anyway people still think of it as a game between cheats and criminals and and back alley and smoky rooms and i think that if this does add get people talking about poker again and puts that like cool mystique back into it there's a chance it could be a net positive for poker do i am i happy that this happened no would i have encouraged this to happen no but man poker is on sports center again and i don't know that we can say right away whether or not that is good or bad Okay, interesting take. Uh, and as we said last week, this is going to run for some time, so let's follow it with interest. But let's properly weigh in once all investigations have been completed and we actually know some hard, cold facts. One poker headline to report this week, in itself, probably not worthy of a poker news segment, with apologies to Yi Yi from China, not to take anything away from his achievement because he won the EPT Sochi Open main event for nearly $275,000, besting an 879-entry field, which means there's just one EPT left in 2019, Prague, just before Christmas. Uh, meanwhile, in the state of Nevada... Raise your bet, lay it all on the line. I'll be worth every dime, I tell you. Put your money on me. Play it smart, feel the heat. When I grab the dice and let them go, I'll hit every single roll, I tell you. Put your money on me. And I can't help but feeling that this music's getting a little bit tired now because it's the third time in a 12-month period that we've used it because Run It Up Reno comes along remarkably frequently. It's, it's crazy how when something is relatively successful, how many, how, how less, how, how much more than annually they can do it. Yes, I think it's twice a year now. Uh, I think it's April and October. We're back at an October running at Reno. James, let me tell you a little bit about my getting here. Okay. Okay. First of all, and this is the most important question to ask, have you been involved in any fights or more importantly, breaking up <laughs> any fights? No street fights this time around. We, uh, I've avoided downtown Reno so far. Uh, actually, there was a bit of an altercation on the pickleball court, but we'll get to that. 
We'll get to that later on. Can but I, no, I, you know what? I'm starting to think I'm being had. Is pickleball a genuine thing, or is this just a bit? It does. It is not. I wish it was a bit. Now that I kind of have the the hook set in, but no, it it, it is a real thing. Hang on, uh, hang on. I, 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 it's not that I don't trust you. It's just that I don't trust right. you. No, it's just that you don't. Trust oh, it is. Me, it is a no. thing. There's a Wikipedia page and everything. Yeah. Okay. And actually, you know what? I think you would really enjoy it. I think you would really enjoy it. You know, what? I'll just tell you a little bit about pickleball right now. So pickleball is a modified. It's basically these this older couple invented this game where it's like tennis. Right. But the court is much smaller. They take off like all those extra little pieces, like the little green strips, and you just play in the center of the court. And the net, it's basically the idea around tennis, the paddles from ping pong, they're wood paddles. Okay. And you play with a wiffle ball, like a plastic ball. Oh, well, like I would use for like practicing golf shots, for example. Yeah, but but a, but a, like a baseball-sized one. Oh, wow. Okay. And so what it is, it's a very small game. It's a tight court uh, and you play doubles and uh, it's really fun. You run around a lot, but it's low impact. And it's like primarily played by old ladies. Like we went, Tyson invited me out and there's a ton of old ladies on the court. And you know how like whenever you uh, go into a situation like this, similar to poker and that there are a few people that are like, welcome, welcome. And then there's a few people like, who are these? Who's this fucking fish? Right. Who's this fucking noob that doesn't understand that you can't cross the line? Okay, so the pickleball scene is very similar to the poker scene in Reno. Yes, and this old lady got got real offended because she's like, well, have you ever played before? And I was like, yeah, I played once over the summer. And she's like, oh, so you don't really know what you're doing. And I was like, well, the learning curve isn't that steep. And she (laughs) got pissed. Oh, pissed. And then she made it a point to embarrass me on the court. Like, it just worked me. So uh, we'll talk with Tyson a little bit more about that later. Uh, that's the closest thing to a fight we got in. Um, so Friday night, I had a show in Vegas. Yes. And that show got done about 1230. And after I like now, saw we need it, to kind of yeah. there's a bit of unfinished business here, because on yeah. last week's podcast, you were yes. concerned about the turnout. Did it yes. go OK? So as of Wednesday, I think I mentioned we had zero tickets yep. sold. By Friday night show, we had 50 sold and about 15 comps that I gave away. But I did something I shouldn't have done, and I probably shouldn't admit to this. I don't know if I broke a law or not, but um, I there was a big poker tournament happening at the win, and so I went into Vegas a few hours early and went to the win and waited for people to recognize me. Oh, just God, wandered so around tragic. the win poker room. Until people were like, hey, Staves, what's up? Got any stand-up? And I was like, funny, you should ask. And I had flyers in my back pocket. And I hit up a couple of friends, like Daniel Anderson was there. And um, uh, my friend Cammie was there. And uh, Katie Lindsay, who's Chris, who's, okay. who's all dialed into the poker world. And they, as often happens, James, last minute had tons of poker players come to the show. Both Lux Sacks were there. Jeff Madsen was there. So we had a lot of people turn out and it ended up being a successful night. I'm glad just to rewind to the win. And I'm going to throw this question out there to the community. Here's something you can respond to. Hashtag poker in the ears on Twitter. Are Joe's antics at the win really any better than those of a nipper in your local card room? who's (laughs) waiting to get a loan off you as you're exiting the casino or you've just bust out of the tournament. It's the same thing, right? He's just trying to, he's trying to do business with you. He's trying to conduct a transaction that you're a little bit reluctant to conduct. It's it's just a middleman. You're just giving your money to the ticket taker instead of directly to me. Um, 
Yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't feel great about that, but I was really panicking that we were going to be performing to a crowd of eleven that night. So, <laughs> so I didn't get back to my Airbnb till about four. At which point, the smoke. This is why I've, I have major issues with Airbnb. The smoke detector, the batteries were going dead, and it chirped once per minute from four a.m. until nine a.m. Just when take I had the batteries to, out. Couldn't do it. The cover wouldn't come off the. Oh, I don't man. know what was up with it. It just wouldn't come off. So it was like one of those ones that was like embedded in the ceiling. So I got no sleep. Um, right as I was about to board my flight to Reno, I get a text from Norm that says, are you free to open for me tonight? And I was like, well, technically I don't have to be in Reno till tomorrow. Sure. Where at? And he goes, my flight's taking off. I'll let you know. <laughs> well, I never... <laughs> I never heard from Norm again, so I sat in the Karen for like four extra hours, like waiting to hear from him before finally getting to Reno. First night in Reno, I sit down at a what they call a two three five mix game with a one hundred dollar cap per okay, person. So is that the uh, the betting that it goes two three five on each street? No. It's the number of cards you get. So it's a two card hold'em, so regular Texas hold'em. Okay. Then Super Hold'em. Two, sorry, two, three, four, five. Then Omaha. And then five card and then Omaha. Five, five card Omaha, right. Um, I went broke five times before we got to the last game. Because oh, with a hundred dollar cap, I don't know how to not be all in every hand. Like it seems really weird. Like you can't. One of the blinds, one, two. The blinds are one, two, yeah. But by the time you're like I mean, you can't play that game fifty bigs effective without being all in a lot. That's what I mean. And so um, and then when you run like Joe Stapleton, I, I had no worse than top pair every time, but I was up against quads the first time, <laughs> a set the second time, quads the third time. No, I ran into quads twice in these, you know, and granted, look, you're playing bigger. And just to be know, clear, this is in, you did say you didn't even get to the last game. So this is within three orbits. You've run into quads twice. Yes. I and mean, a, and a, and a full house one other What time, did you do time. in a previous life? I don't know. I have no idea. So anyway, um, that did not go well for me the very first night. You However, so I'm kind of bummed. I'm already down 500 bucks. And uh, also I'm down another $200 because I said, please don't take me into the high limit slots room. I'm definitely going to sell off for $200. And we went in the high limit slots room and I did sell off for $200. So now I'm down $700. Okay. Sorry, you can't just skip over that one. Why? Why did you go in the high limit slots room? Someone else is playing high limit slots. And then I always convince myself that like a machine is talking to me. I'm like, that machine right there is talking to me. That one, that one's about to pop off right now. And to be fair, it did pop off. I just didn't quit while I was ahead. I mean, words fail me. Carry on. Uh, I, I end up hanging out with uh, Casey Mills, who you may know from the Thirst Lounge. Poker Mama is what she goes by. And we're playing video poker, and I'm just like, now I'm just trying to sl slow burn, sit there and drink, do what I should have been doing from the start. And I tell her to play my machine while I go to the bathroom. Okay. I come back from the bathroom, and Casey is jumping up and down. Casey has hit a royal flush. Oh, nice. On, on my machine uh, for a thousand bucks. So I decide it's only fair for me to split it with her. So I gave her 500 bucks. I'm now basically even again in okay. my mind. Uh, so things 
go a little bit better. The one thing I was irritated about is that Casey put it on all our social media without any mention of my name. She's like, I had a royal flush. Okay, Joe, what would you rather have? What would you rather have? A mention on social media for at Stapes or $500 fucking dollars? I think you know the diff. I think you know the answer to that. Yeah, I know the answer. You want the attention on social media. I get (laughs) that. Absolutely. I get that. (laughs) So anyway, I'm in a much better mood now. Uh, The next night we do the stand-up comedy open mic night. James, we had over 100 people come to watch the open mic night. And we had about 15 people perform, a solid seven or eight of which uh, all got up for their first time. Really great night. Everyone had a blast. We did a comedy cash game afterward. The casino was very happy. We had four or five full tables playing cash. Yesterday is when the real poker started. I played the progressive knockout tournament, $235. 100 of it goes to your bounties. As you know, James, the PKO. You bust somebody, you get half their bounty. Correct. Half of it gets added to your yes. bounty. Uh, I knocked out probably four or five people in the first few hours of this. Good going. So, so suddenly the run good has returned. Exactly. I'm running super hot. Uh, I've got about $300 in bounties already. When, hey, time to go to the feature table. Right. Now. You should like right. that because as we've just established, attention is your currency. Exactly. So the hand just before we get to the feature table, I've got about 130,000 in chips. Average is 60. And I managed to lose 60K on that particular hand. So I'm bummed. them going to the feature table. But you still have 70,000, though, which is still above average. Correct. So I get to the feature table, and uh, I don't have a whole lot going on, and I end up playing a hand very, very badly where I set mine with uh, pocket deuces when I should have shoved for like a third of my stack preflop or or folded. But I I was like, I'm just going to play this bad because I want to play low variance because I want to sit here at the feature table. Um, And so I kind of gave away a third of my stack there. Now I'm like relatively short stacked. When uh, John Turner opens, he had been opening fairly regularly, Pearl Jammer, uh, he raises, and I have king-queen suited on the button, and as much, oh, by the way, we're three off the money. Oh. Oh, short stacked on the bubble. This can only end one possible way. Correct. But it's pretty interesting the way it goes down is that I move all in for, like, whatever it is, like, 50k or something uh, i think john had raised to like let's see the blinds were probably 16 i think john had made it like 5k okay so it's not an auto call in his spot it's not an auto call but then what happens is stupidly i raise my hands up to show my stack and then he sees how many bounty chips i have oh. and this if it were just for no bounty or even for like a small bounty he would have folded. Of course, that is equity you do have to take into consideration in this format. And so he's like, oh, I was going to call, but now I'm – I'm sorry. Oh, I was going to fold, but now I'm calling. And he goes, you're ahead, and turns over ace nine of spades. And I uh, – uh, that uh, is very annoying. Well, I guess uh, he figures be- that ace nine isn't good there, even though it is. Right. And so – because uh, he, he said that nine. before he'd seen your cards, right? He's assuming that you've got yes. better than Ace yeah, Nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just kind of like a, it's just kind of like a, some kind of slow, slowish roll to be told you're ahead, and then to see that you're not ahead. 
Uh, he flops a nine, Rivers a nine, and uh, that is it. I am out. I do not cash, and I spend about 11 minutes at the feature table. I think I probably – remember last year I was there for like 20 minutes? Yeah. I don't think I beat that this year. So frustrating finish to the day. I do wish I had cashed. I still have never cashed anything here except for that moneymaker event. So here's my um, question, so, Joe. Yeah. This was being live streamed, right? The feature table is yeah. going out on, on Run It Up TV. So you know if you watch the replay, you know it logs the chat in real time. Did you yeah. go back to see what people were saying about you at the time? No, because I'm afraid because I played so badly. Right. So you want the I attention, but you don't want the attention. Yeah, no, I want to be seen. I just don't want – it's one-way communication oh, as far okay. as I'm concerned. I'm, I'm down with that. I'm down with that completely. Uh, so what next? I mean, I see so, there's more poker to be played, right? Yeah, so I did commentary on the final table of that event last night. We, they did play down to a winner. A guy named uh, John Paul ended up winning it. Today is the is the uh, black chip bounty tournament, not a progressive. Everybody gets a $100 black chip in front of them. I'll hop in and play that. I will have commentary later tonight. Tonight's also the karaoke night, which everyone loves. And then tomorrow night is the Survivor Watch Party, which is very cool because Tyson is not the only – survivor person here and typically a few more come out uh for that particular party everyone gets together in the in the nightclub watches survivor and all the guys sort of they do a podcast afterward it's it's a really fun night so two questions before we welcome tyson to the show sure is it a coincidence that there's loads of survivor contestants who are interested in poker or is it just that so many people have now appeared on that TV show that statistically <laughs> speaking a decent number like poker I think that it, there's a little bit of both there but I think what it is is that Jason was such a big survivor fan right that I think he reached out to a few of these people who he thought might have been interested in poker many years ago and it turns out as you know James people will absolutely find reasons to link poker to anything <laughs> right it's like what's the tenuous connection between poker and survivor well there is a lot of bluffing involved and it is a solo game but you do kind of have to play off other whatever it is um and a lot of the, it and and to be perfectly honest, and Tyson will be uh, will be honest about this as well. Um, former reality show contestants love free shit, right? So I mean, when you're like, "Hey, do you want to get a real job this year? Or do you want to come out to Reno?" Well, who doesn't love Reno. free shit? Uh, my second question was going to be about Jason. Actually, how is Mr. Somerville feeling that this event is going? And from your perspective, as someone who's now been at three run out Renos. Does it have the same vibe? Does it feel as, as, as big or as good as the, as the previous events you've attended? It still has the same vibe. I do wonder about, you know, how most things, once they get super popular, they kind of lose that original vibe. This That hasn't happened yet, but the numbers aren't out of control yet either. Uh, I did overhear their conversations last night. They have, they've been having record turnouts for the uh, events so far, like for like a hundred dollar event, they had their record turnout for a two thirty five yesterday. They had their record turnout. So I think, and obviously, uh, stand up comedy record turnout. Nobody was expecting over a hundred people in that room. So I think all is still well here in Reno. Good stuff. Well, now we're going to do that really weird thing, Joe, where you're in a hotel room in Reno. So let's now establish a Skype connection to another hotel room in Reno and have our three-way internet conversation with former Survivor contestant and Run It Up Reno attendee and PSPC contestant as well, Tyson Apostle. Welcome to the podcast, Tyson. 
Thank you. I'm happy to be here. I mean, uh, it's early, so I really don't have all my feelings in check, but I think I'm happy. Don't you have two babies at home? This can't possibly be early for you. I know, dude, but I've been playing poker and table games and stuff late last night. And Joe, I don't know how you do it. I got a text from you at like 630 this morning. Yeah, I saw you fairly late last night doing the commentary for Run It Up. Yeah, I'm kind of a mutant. I uh, I wanted to I wanted to ask you about your family a little bit. Does your wife get jealous at how much of a sex object you are on the pickleball court? <laughs> no, uh, I think a little bit, yeah, because she's always every time I leave the house to go play pickleball, she's like, "You're gonna hurt yourself," and I was like, "She's so jealous, dude." <laughs> I mean, pickleball is the least likely thing. That's why all old people play it because you can't, you almost can't hurt yourself. I know. I still have figured out a way to hurt myself, but also uh, along the lines of your question, it's probably the least sexy sport as well. You can't make it look cool. It's one of those things where it's like no matter what you do, the movements and the paddle size and shape and the little net and the little wiffle ball, there's no sex appeal at all to pickle. <laughs> and that maybe is the reason it is so sexy. Before we started recording this week's podcast, I'd never heard of pickleball. Joe has explained the rules to me. I did for a while think I was being pranked and it wasn't actually a real thing. But in doing further research, I noticed that pickleball is mentioned on your Wikipedia page. As we know, Wikipedia never wrong. And apparently you are aspiring to be a pickleball athlete. Well, I mean, I already, I guess I am a pickleball athlete since I do play pickleball. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's supposedly the fastest growing sport in the country. And even because all the boomers, because all the boomers and the biggest pickleball companies in the world have like 1500 followers on Instagram. So right now we could get in on the ground floor of being pickleball influencers and have (laughs) multiple. Pull times more followers and a following than any of the largest pickleball brands. Now, Wikipedia I've, also says that you are aspiring to be a professional poker player. Uh, well, yes. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't think I can play enough poker to be. Tyson a is aspiring to do whatever he has to do to never have a real job. That's, that's true. That's the long and the short of it. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I guess I'm a hustler, but in every positive sense of the word. And, uh, uh, yeah, I'm unconventional. Uh, I do play a, a lot of poker, but I don't like, I have a family, so can I really play that much poker? I, uh, I'm trying. I'm here in Reno for 11 days playing poker every day. And, uh, so far I have only lost a lot of money, <laughs> <laughs> but you got to take the swings, you know? So Tyson, you, you were a pro or semi-pro athlete before all this though, right? Yeah, I was a professional cyclist in Europe for, uh, three years and I raced amateur over there for three years. So I lived over there for six years and, uh, I swam in college on scholarship and then I decided I hated swimming. So I quit and then I decided I hated school even more. So I quit that. Uh, moved to Europe, became a pro cyclist. It was just uh, the whole thing of the hustle, you know? 
Like even on the rainy days when you're out training on your bike, you're like, there's some guy in a cubicle that's been there for like 19 hours trying to reach the deadline and still probably has to write some memo for the entire company for the weekend. And you just knew from an early age that that wasn't for you. Did you ever have a taste of that? Well, I knew in kindergarten, you know, when they go around and they're like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Yeah. I always said millionaire. (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, I'll just fast track this. I don't want to do whatever work it involves. I'll just get to the finish line. And, uh, I did, I did work for, uh, well, my dad owns construct a construction company. So I did a little bit of that work, but it was, you know, like I'd show up, uh, whenever I wanted. And then I worked at, uh, I'll get into it, I guess a little bit. So I worked like, I, in the summers to earn my money for school clothes. And, uh, one day, uh, I turned 16. I was like, Hey dad, you can't pay me a dollar an hour anymore. I'm 16. You got to pay me minimum wage. That's, I think that's the law. I'm not a lawyer. I'm only 16. I don't know. And he's like, okay, (laughs) well, here's one for you. You got to work full time because as the boss's son, I can't just be letting you get away with anything. And I was like, okay. (laughs) So I, the first day I go to work for like, six hours, which is pretty close to full time. <laughs> and then the next day I, I just can't, I can't even get up in time to go to work. And so he comes in, he's like, Hey man, you, you got to figure it out. You got to come full time. I was like, okay, well I'm torn because like I keep getting people that tell me, you know, you got to do what makes you happy. And then there's other people that are telling me like, you got to do miserable stuff sometimes to build character and, and become the person you're supposed to be. So you tell me, which route I should take. Do I do like things that I hate just to do them and to get through, or should I pursue my happiness? And, uh, he shrugged his shoulders and that was the end of the conversation. So I, uh, I think I kind of stumped him. (laughs) And you haven't worked a day in your life since. No, I've worked at a, as a night stock boy at a grocery store for, uh, three hours. So you had a six-hour day and a three-hour day. Those yeah. are your two. The three-hour day was even better. I went in for a job interview. We thought, you know what? If we work at night, me and my best friend, then we can play all day. We didn't factor sleep. We forgot mathematically to add that into our routine anywhere. And so we were like, well, just this is so perfect. That's so classic teenage mentality, like just yeah. completely ignoring the fact that you do have to sleep sometimes. Yeah. Instead of sleeping, we'll work. And then when we always play, we'll still just play. And, uh, I went in for the job interview and the guy was like, okay, yeah, we'll let you know in like a few weeks. By the time I got home, it was like a 15 minute drive. I had a message from the same manager I interviewed with that asked if I could go in and work tonight. And I was like, oh, I know this is bad. If he's telling me two to three weeks out in the interview, just to sound like there's a lot of people lining up for this thing only to get home and have him beg me to come work that evening. (laughs) Yeah. So I show up and the, uh, uh, they put this guy in charge of me and he was like, I'm like 20 and he's like 40 and, uh, you know, we won't get into the ins and outs of his total appearance, but he was missing some teeth and he, uh, 
I asked him what he did on his off days, and he said he goes to the library because they have air conditioning. And that was when I knew that job was not for me. <laughs> this was not going to help my... you on your uh, on your kindergarten set ambition and goal to become <laughs> exactly. a millionaire. Is that yeah. is that why you wanted to enter Survivor? Was it because of the money, or was it the notoriety and fame that it might bring, or both? Well, it's nice to have both, but. I actually didn't even want to try out for Survivor. It's my parents' favorite show. And after I quit uh, s- cycling, I was doing nothing. And my dad was like, you should try out for Survivor. And I was like, laughed at him. I was like, you should. It's your favorite show. And he's like, yeah, but I have like responsibilities and <laughs> stuff. And I was like, okay. So I, uh, yeah, so then I sent in an audition tape after that, but uh, it was my dad who encouraged me. And then, funny enough, I ruined uh, my parents' favorite show for them. Oh, wow. Yeah. So when you said that at a certain point in your life, you know, you had to choose between doing what made you happy or doing some of this miserable stuff that was character building. When you were on Survivor and you were, for, you were a villain on Survivor, is that, does that make you happy? <laughs> to be a villain on Survivor? Yeah. Well, see, I feel like my I, my humor was just misunderstood, and I can admit that I was I was just coming off of a pro cycling career, and I was pretty. Uh, I'll, I'll say it. I was I was a pretty cocky, you know, young kid. I was looking shredded. I uh, was exercising a lot. Still, I had my pro athlete physique and I was crushing the challenges on survivor on top of that I laugh harder at my own jokes than anybody else so like I would just sit there and make jokes and uh at other contestants expense I would roast them pretty good so I became the villain that's what my parents were kind of bothered by uh, as well as uh you know running around naked on tv making uh, blasphemous jokes and uh <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sure I was, I did even more stuff, but I come from a conservative Mormon family in Utah. So they weren't super stoked on any of that. They did not like seeing Tyson's nipples on TV. That's for sure. Yeah. The nipples uh, were the part that was the most offensive. Cause I have like pretty long nipples. <laughs> so when you were, you were on survivor for the third time when you won it. Yes, that's correct. And so- what sort of, uh, what do you think is what finally did it for you? Just uh, lucky or did you finally figure it out? Uh, both. There's uh, definitely a learning curve to Survivor. And uh, you'll notice that on seasons where there's a compilation of new players and returning players, the returning players almost always dominate. And uh, and then it is it is really lucky. Like you, uh, you have to avoid some pitfalls. It's, I, I mean... In that way, it is similar to poker where, you know, it's not always and it's most often not the best player who wins. You know, you still have to hit your hands in key moments and suck out a couple times. And uh, so it's a combination of both. But I think the main thing that I changed in my game was keeping everybody on my side as much as possible. So even people I disliked, I'm a type of person where if I dislike you, you're going to at least feel it from me, even if I don't say anything. And, uh, so the fact that I tried really hard to hide those feelings and 
at least be cordial with everyone in the game goes a long way because the people on the bottom end up at some point flipping the game as moves start being made. Tyson, I need to ask you about the whole format of Survivor because it's a show I've always struggled to get into because I love the challenges. I love watching people fall off logs into the water. That stuff's fun. <laughs> But okay, I yeah. have never been able to get into the whole strategy element and the endless conversations and alliances and betraying someone. And this is the problem I have with it. And as someone who's been on the show, you can tell me if I've got it wrong. So much of it looks staged. It's like, are you telling me these people really just sit around all day slagging off this contestant, conspiring against that one? It's like the fact that they're sat on this log next to each other with the sunset behind them. It kind of looks like the production team have said, okay, person A and person B, talk about person C, go. Um, this actually is not true. That's not. There's not hardly any staged conversations on the show. And the reason is, is because you starve people, you deprive them of sleep, you deprive them of comfort, and you put them all together. For example, when I was going through casting, they asked me what my pet peeves were. So I just listed all the people I dislike. And they were like, we'll find like five of those people and surround Tyson with them. <laughs> you know, so they know they like have a formula. And then on top of that, what you're seeing on TV is three days of footage condensed into 45 minutes. So right. they're taking the most vital elements of those three days and jamming them into this television show. So 90% of the show and what you're not seeing is everyone just sitting, twiddling their thumbs. But when you get those strategic conversations or where you get the dramatic moments where somebody's yelling at somebody for eating a couple extra grains of rice because it is not fair and not everybody's getting the exact same amount counted to the grain. Uh, those are actually true. I've been a part of other shows uh, that are more scripted and uh, Survivor is not. It is real. Tyson, obviously, you just described some situations that uh, aren't particularly fun to be in, tired, hungry. Uh, would you be open to doing the show again, or are you done with that? I mean, it's hard to turn down a one in 20 shot at a milli, you know, and it's kind of been my livelihood for the last decade. So I feel like I would I would go back. It's harder now because I have kids. I have a four-year-old and a one-year-old daughter, and... Uh, you know, I don't want to like go on Survivor and come home and not have them remember me or be like, hey, why did you leave? So, uh, yeah, it's it would be a tough decision, but I think I would have to go just based on the fact that if I don't, I could end up working a job. Like imagine me avoiding <laughs> a real job, even into having a family and getting a house. And then like at 45, I'm like trying to like what I don't have my job resume is like, uh, so yeah, I can't do any of those things you're asking. Have you ever seen the TV show survivor? <laughs> right. Cause I was on that. Do you and need me just, to, uh, to carry a bucket of water up a hill real fast <laughs> and then dump it in my mouth and then spit it in this spout until it reaches that red line. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and the, or just like keeping my fingers crossed that whoever's doing the hiring is a super Survivor fan. And I was like, oh, yeah, you've got the job, bro. And then that would probably be pretty sweet because I bet I could slack off in a job where the boss was the super fan. 
Which is kind of what you do with uh, Jason Somerville and run it up. <laughs> well, <laughs> no comment. Can uh, I, I just have one. I got what we got to get to our dumb game for you, but I just have one more question about the prize. Yeah. I actually have two more questions. One's about the prize. One is how much tax do you have to pay on that? And isn't it weird that the prize hasn't gone up in 39 seasons? Yeah. So, uh, first the tax is 35% federal tax and, uh, usually five to 10% state tax, depending on which state you live in. You can, uh, if you luck out, there's a handful of states that don't pay a uh, state tax. So you keep an extra 50 to hundred K and, uh, it is definitely weird that the prize hasn't gone up because when the show started, a million dollar prize on TV was unheard of. And now there shows that in the episode, a single episode, you can win a million dollars and a uh, million dollars does not go as far as it did in 2000. So yeah, that is weird. And also on uh, the Jason Somerville thing, he's a super fan. And uh, that's where our friendship started is he just invited me to one of these things. And I've been to nine run it up Reno's in a row, which I think makes me. Wow. Uh, yeah, I think uh, if this were like a company and I had applied for a job and I would have gotten in on the ground floor, I would have like 17 million shares. <laughs> I mean, you're practically a mascot of run it up Reno now. I think so. Yeah, I think if I the think mascot were a terrifying scarecrow, then yes, that would be. <laughs> yeah, with a pointy face. That's the thing. Like, I have to be the villain. Like on TV, Joe's like, you're the villain. It's because my face is too pointy to ever be a hero. I have a pointy <laughs> nose. My cheekbones are popping, and uh, I have. Yeah, it's a. There's no way that they you could view me as heroic. So, did you discover? poker via jason somerville or were you already a player before he invited you to come to reno no i discovered it via jason somerville i mean i knew what the game was and i had yeah. played a little bit with friends but my first live experience was at run it up reno because jason somerville invited me out and how different an experience was it being invited to the bahamas to play in the uh, pspc uh it was uh very different, mainly because all the guys that I watch on TV to, you know, like when I have some downtime, you watch some poker on TV, maybe learn something or at least see a bunch of hands. And all those guys were sitting at my tables and, uh, the room was gigantic, uh, run it up you know i don't know because for, for me it's like people are like run it up is the friendliest atmosphere and i do believe that that is true but also uh i think the excitement and the buzz of the pspc on top of the fact that at any given table i'm usually the most talkative so i don't notice when there's a table that's like really shit because i'm <laughs> like the center focus of it so if so even if I get to a table where it was like, this one's like, you know, and I'm like, Hey everybody, what's going on? I'm Tyson. Have you ever seen survivor? I have to let everybody know that first and foremost, the second I sit down, cause that's the only thing that people know me by. Uh, so it was different. And also the pressure of like the 25 K, uh, buy-in and the $5 million prize. And I was certain I was going to win it because why wouldn't I, um, I did make day two. Oh, I made day two. That's okay. pretty good, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, day two is better than going out on day one, for sure. 
Yeah, for sure. And that's what I said as I went out on day two. Yeah, I mean, it's still three <laughs> days short of winning the $5 million first prize. But, you know, silver linings. Accentuate the positive. Listen, there's more PSPCs to be won. That is true. And, yeah. and just because there's a, there's a poker connection, um, just one last Survivor question. Have you been watching this season? And what can you tell us about Ronnie and where he went wrong? Because we, you know, there's a clip that, Ronnie made famous for us where he gets bluffed super hard by a Finnish supermodel and uh, kind of gets embarrassed on TV. And it kind of feels like that happened on Survivor. Yeah, dude, I have seen that clip and it's uh, it still blows my mind. Even like I've had to watch it a couple times and be like, am I missing something? Like, is she like a mega pro that like Ronnie is scared of for some reason? Uh, How well does this supermodel know this game that he is just... uh, what did he fold to her? Did he have trips? He had trips. Yeah. And I think the yeah. reason that he folded in that spot is because she's an amateur, because he doesn't believe for one second that someone who's not a professional, who is not proficient at the game, is ever going to bluff in that spot on the very first hand of this million-dollar event. Yeah, that is true. So, uh, yeah. Uh, okay, that makes more sense. So going back to Survivor and Ronnie... All we can see is what we saw on TV and the mistakes I feel like he made are that he came to the forefront with a plan, which early on you want to kind of, you know, persuade someone else to take a leadership role instead of yourself. And if you're naming names on who to vote out, that can come back on you pretty quickly. So you can encourage people to come up with a a name, but you don't want to be the guy that's like, we got to vote so-and-so out. You want to be the guy that's like, uh, so what kind of criteria are you looking for to, uh, you know, for this first vote and let's go through a list and then have somebody list and be like, yeah, I think uh, number two or number three look good. And they're like, well, what are their names? You're like, well, you, why don't you tell, tell me their names? <laughs> like you are doing everything you can to avoid. You want to, in- you want to incept it and not you're, actually You're trying to them. incept it. Correct. And then if anything ever comes back, you can be like, oh yeah, so-and-so said that this, it's just easier to do it that way and then not have to get wrapped up in lies. Cause you could just deny ever dropping names, but with enough witnesses, that's not going to work out. And so I think that he probably played too hard, too fast. And that's going to happen a lot of times. Like Ronnie's a super fan of the game. So he's probably watched every season and every episode. And he probably got really excited when he got out there. And that is the name of the game is to vote people out and have it not be you but you just need to do it really democratically, especially early on. If his gamble had paid off, had worked in this first episode, would it have propelled him further? Or was it not even worth the risk? Yeah, I think so. But I don't think so much that, uh, of that it, like he, it would have been, it's like a flip, right? Right. On the first hand of the tournament. Why would you, you know, right. risk your tournament life on a, on a flip? And so when you could just sit back and relax and skate through for levels and levels, and that's the same with, with survivor here. Like if he would have just sat back, let his, uh, other buddy, what's his, that guy's name, Aaron or something. Uh, the other guy that was kind of like in a leadership role with him, if he would have let that guy just take the steering wheel and him just be like the support guy that's like, yeah, you got this bro. I'll, I'm with you. I'll stick around. Uh, he would have been much better off, I think, than, uh, trying to formulate the plan himself. 
All right. Well, thank you for uh, all the inside info on Survivor. Uh, it is tradition on the show, Tyson, that you play a stupid game as long as we have time. Do you have time to play a stupid game? I do if you do, yes. Great. This game is called the Pickleball Hall of Fame. Oh, my it's God. So much pickleball on this week's show. It should be pickleball in the ears. Since uh, Tyson we... is going to be a professional pickleball player. He Correct. should know some of the history of pickleball, which he is about to be quizzed on now. Are you ready? Uh, yes. It's multiple choice. Don't worry. Okay. Question number one. Where does the name pickleball come from? Is it that A, one of the inventors used to row a pickle boat in college? B, the original paddles were made from pickle barrel wood? C, it borrows from the pickle base running situation in baseball. Or D, the inventor's dog was named Pickles. Oh, my God. Uh, B? B, the original paddles were made from pickle barrel wood is incorrect. I don't now, think pickle barrel wood is a thing. Really? You don't think that they have that nice smoky flavor from the... Uh... <laughs> From the cedar barrels that are putting those pickles in. Come on, Remember, man. Tyson, Tyson grew up Mormon, so it's entirely possible he was baking pickles in a wood barrel. Let's... Yeah, that could be. Uh, actually, so there are there's there's two truths here, even though. So the inventor's dog was named Pickles, but it was uh -huh. named after the game, which was, in fact, named after the fact that one of the inventors used to row a pickle boat on her college crew team. Wow. I would have never, like there was so much there i never would have gotten any of it you are going to be able to dazzle the ladies on the pickleball court now question number two what kind of dog was pickles was it uh oh go ahead i was just going to take a stab at it was golden it retrieval a cockapoo a shih tzu a hairless mexican or a queef i'm going to say not golden retriever as that wasn't one of the options <laughs> Well, fine, but maybe this is a trick question, so he left the actual uh, correct answer off completely to just make me look it. the fool. Don't know oh, you're wrong, it. Tyson. I'm wrong again. Uh, Shih Tzu. Shih Tzu, incorrect. Cockapoo. We were looking for cockapoo. Uh, so far, I'm not doing very well, and I'm actually Googling these as you're like coming up with them because I was like, this is so funny if I aced this thing, and I cannot <laughs> even on Google find where to get the answers to these questions. I, I had a dig for these. Okay. One of the founders of Pickleball was an elected member of the U.S. government. Was he a judge, a U.S. district attorney, a congressman, or a congressperson? Come on, dude, it's 2017. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, that's the... Uh, I am going to say a DA. U.S. District Attorney is incorrect. He was, in fact, a congressman. Congressperson. Congressperson. Come on, it's 2017. I would have yeah. accepted both answers. Dang it. I had a 50% shot there, and I still missed it. Question number four. Today. Okay. Based on the single sport participation report of the Sports Percentage Fitness Industry Association, otherwise known as SFIA, Yes, of course, SFIA, yes. The average age of Pickleball's core players, that is people who play eight times or more per year, is 29 years old, 33 years old, 39 years old, 
55 years old. Oh, 55 years old. 55 is correct. You're finally on the board. Yes. And you know why I know that? Because the league I play in in Arizona, I am the only one under 55. So I guess the rest of the country is somehow bringing that average down in other places. But it's well above 55 in the circles I run with. When Tyson was choosing a new hobby, he was like, I can fight against little kids in karate or play against old people in pickleball. Yeah, old people that love me. I, Here in Reno, I won the hearts and minds of the entire uh, pickleball league in Reno. He really did. It was, it was a sight to be seen. Question number five. A ball that is inbound and has bounced once, a.k.a. a live ball, is also known as a bill ball, excuse me, a bilbo, downtown, a green light, or a dill ball? I'm going to say green light. Green light is incorrect. Dill ball. I would have got the dill ball because like dill pickle, right? Pickle. Yeah, no, I get it, but it's almost too stupid to like. I was like, Joe made that up because how, like, I've never heard that. I've been playing for a year with a bunch of old people, and they have a lot of terms for a lot of stuff. I've never heard dill ball, but I'll use that now. Dill ball. Is that how? Final question. Yes. A term referring to an illegal move or fault where a pickleball player hits a volley shot in the non-volley zone is known as A, a volley llama, B, dying in death volley, C, volley volley voxen free, or D, hooray for Hollywood. What? You're telling me that one of those is the actual answer? <laughs> one of those is the actual answer referring to an illegal move or fault where a pickleball player hits a volley shot in the non-volley zone. James, you have as good a chance of getting this right as I do, so why don't you take a stab at it first, and then I will say what answer I thought it the would be. The least ridiculous, and I want to stress, the least ridiculous <laughs> is volley llama. <laughs> okay, I'm going to go with B. Tyson has chosen Dying and Death Volley. James has chosen Volley Llama. James Hardigan, maybe you should pick up a pickleball career because you are correct. I missed all of them but one. So that's not even a passing grade. Um, I got like a 20%. Your final score, one and five. Well, I've had worse tests. I don't doubt it, my friend. And luckily, you've got lots more poker to be played this week. So this game doesn't mean shit. Exactly. And we but there is a cash prize that I missed out on. Tyson, no. enjoy the rest of your time in Reno. Thank you very much for giving us your time today. Really enjoyed having you on the show. Likewise, Shaka Bros. One of them loves the EPT, knows it inside out, and would do anything for the European poker tour. The other one is Joe Stapleton. It's Superfan versus Stapes. It is super fan time on Poker in the Years, and we have got a super fan in every sense of the word lined up for this week's show. Please welcome to the podcast, Josh Brown from a land down under. Greetings, Josh. Hi, guys. Good to be on the show. What's up, Josh? James, what makes him so super? Well, you may or may not, in your case, Joe, remember a tweet that Josh Brown sent at us on the 24th of September, his first ever tweet, and I read... 
almost 30. Only reason I've signed up to Twitter is to become an active part of the Poker in the Ears community. Massive fan of you guys and have just finished binging on all 159 episodes. That's wow. why, Joe. That's why. That is pretty super. Well done, Josh. Josh, overall thoughts? Thank you. Um, yeah, I've, I've been a big poker fan for about eight years. Um, sort of in the last 12 months, I've started viewing EPTs on YouTube after a bit of an accident where I was off work for an extended period of time. So got to start watching EPTs, um, got more into poker, and then obviously found the podcast through there and um, just some great content. Love listening well, now to I'm, more. Well, now I'm very concerned. What has happened from the accident? <laughs> Oh, I was just, um, I snapped my ankle and had to have surgery and was off for three months. So I needed to fill the time. There's only so much you can do around the house before you start delving through YouTube, trying to find stuff to pass the time. And that's where I found some uh, quality EPT. Wow. So you literally came across us by accident. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) I'm glad that you, uh, you created your Twitter account because of poker and not for the reason most people do, which is to yell mean things at celebrities. No, no. I do that, that in the uh, privacy of my own home. Yeah, that's the way to do it. So the other thing that makes you a super fan, Josh, is you are going to travel from Australia to the United Kingdom to play the Moneymaker PSPC event. Yes, this is um, a very sort of last-minute thing. Um, as I said, I've sort of really got into poker in the last 12 months. I saw the um, promotions for the Moneymaker PSPC tour, and I love London. It's my favorite city in the world. Um checked my work schedule and I had a bit of wee room in there. I spoke to my partner. She's very supportive of me playing poker. And um, I turned 30 on Saturday, just gone. So I sort of bit of a um, birthday present to myself. So I booked the, uh, booked the flight. And um, this time next week, I'll be in London. Fantastic. That's so crazy that, that he's 30 and it's been exactly 30 years since Chris Moneymaker has won the main event. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm assuming that this is the event at the Hippodrome that you're going to be playing, Josh. It is, yes. It is, I yes. will be so, playing um, that as well, so I will see you there. Oh, excellent. I look forward to it. And you have chosen, as your specialist subject, The Departed. And I'm yeah, slightly surprised that in nearly 170 episodes of this podcast, no one has picked this film yet. Yeah, me too. Being such a, um, you know, obviously, Martin Scorsese, you know, you guys being big film buffs, I thought it would have been taken, but um, I thought I'd jump on the opportunity. No, it's not gone. And uh, Joe, you said at the start of the show that you you actually quite liked this film when it comes to Scorsese's catalogue. How recently have you viewed The Departed 2006? I have seen this movie more times than any other Scorsese Oh, film. wow which is twice. Oh, God. <laughs> and I saw it's it. It's two more than I thought, so, yeah, that's not bad. <laughs> I saw it both in the theater and then when it came out on video. I'm pretty sure I own the DVD somewhere. Okay, well, the questions you may find a little tough. You may appreciate the multiple choice options. Uh, Josh, I have no fear for you because uh, I know that you uh, have seen this movie multiple times. Just very quickly before may you I get... ask, is yes. this a um, intern quiz or a Jimmy the Bastard quiz? No, this is a Jimmy the Bastard quiz. Patrick the intern uh-huh. is no more. Just to be clear, he's not dead. He's just no longer <laughs> working with us. So I'm doing the quizzes from now on, which is why you may notice they've got a little bit tougher. Um, he is the captain now. Absolutely. I'm in charge. Before I get to the questions, the one question I did not ask is the classic, who is your daddy and what does he do? When you did suffer that accident, what work did it stop you from doing? I'm, so I'm actually a prison officer in Australia. So um, it, quite a physical job. So I can't really um, do that sort of work when you're um, laid up in a cast in a moon boot. So that's, yeah, work in a prison 
Guardian Prisoners. I would imagine you would have been a bit of a target with a. Uh, yeah, it's a bit of a. It's it stands out in the moon boot. So um, it's probably best that I um I stayed away from work for that three months. <laughs> Um, so, you know the deal. Ten questions. Yes. Multiple choice options. There are numerous bonus questions as well. Hopefully, oh, okay. as a fan of the film, you enjoy this quiz, Josh. Sadly, being in Australia, I cannot give you a, uh EPT Prague satellite ticket, so you are playing well, for PokerStars merch. I'll, I was going to ask that question because um, I hope to sign up for a PokerStars account while I'm in the UK, so is there any wiggle room on the uh, ticket? Should I become a PokerStars customer while I'm in the UK. Now, the only way you'd be able to become a PokerStars customer in the UK is if you had a registered UK address, which you obviously will uh, not have. So, sorry, way around it. Sorry to, no to throw the T's and C's in your face and shout that one down in flames. But, he's actually uh, not sorry to throw the T's and C's in your face. He loves it. He's, he really money in the he's, budget. Probably, he's probably rock hard right now, to be honest. Jimmy the Bastard. <laughs> okay, give me a question, question between one and ten, please, Josh. It's always, it's always coming seven. Number seven, nice and easy. Who plays Captain Queenan? Uh, that would be Martin Sheen. Justice for two points. And there is a bonus question. How does his character die in the film? He's thrown off the roof of a building. He is for a total of three points. Joe, what question would you like? I would have said peacefully due to old age, but I guess that's not really very on brand for Scorsese. Uh, I'll take question number two, because I think I'm going to drop a deuce this game. Where do Sullivan and Madeline first meet? Where do Sullivan and Madeline first meet? Uh, I think I'm going to gamble here. Okay. It's, uh, it's an AA meeting? It's not, and as the options haven't gone, you can steal, Josh. Uh, in an elevator. It is for two points. And it's your question. Uh, number four, please. Number four. Billy is sent to prison for what fake crime? Assault and battery. It is for two points. Joe, not only have you yet to score, but all your points have gone to your opponent. <laughs> yeah, well, I've only had one question. It's not like I'm doing that badly. Cut two. Uh, <laughs> what question would you like next? Uh, question three. Question three. You might know this one. The Departed is a remake of which Chinese thriller? I'll need the choices. Is it A Better Tomorrow, Hard Boiled, Infernal Affairs, or Born to be King? Infernal Affairs. For one point, there is a bonus question. True or false? Scorsese didn't realize it was a remake when he signed on to direct. True. Correct. Bonus, bonus. True or false? This is the only remake of a foreign film to win the Best Picture Oscar. Oh. Can that possibly be true? I'm going to say false. It is true. Ah. But you do have two points as we go into the next round. And Josh, your next question, please. Two, three, four, and seven not available. Uh, I'll take one, please. Who was Martin Scorsese's first choice for the role of Costello? Oh, uh, I'm going to have to take the choices, please. Was it Jack Nicholson, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, or Harvey Keitel? Al Pacino. How do you not have your score? If you're Martin Scorsese, how do you not get your first choice? 
What else is he doing? Well, maybe Al Pacino, because you were right, Josh, was not available. Oh, well. So the role did go to Jack Nicholson. And here is your bonus question, Josh. True or false, this film marks the first professional collaboration between Scorsese and Nicholson. Uh, false. It's true. That had to be true. Okay. Uh, Joe, which question? Five, six, eight, nine, or ten? Let's go with number nine. Number nine. Which Pink Floyd track is used in the film? Comfortably numb. Correct for two points. Ha <laughs> ha. Bonus <laughs> question. Yes, true. Comfortably numb is in the movie. True. <laughs> Sadly, no bonus attached to that one. Okay, Josh, penultimate question. Five, six, eight, or ten? Uh, I'll take ten, please. Question ten. The film ends with what heavy-handed metaphor? Choices, please. Oh, God. A snake weaves its way through the grass outside Sullivan's oh, apartment. Okay. A rat crawls on Sullivan's balcony. Some, yeah, kids, some kids yell, who's a dirty snitch outside Sullivan's window? <laughs> or Joe Pesci shoots at the audience and Sid Vicious sings My Way. Yeah, it's the rat. It's the rat it's on the, the balcony. Rat. It is the rat on the balcony for one point. Uh, Joe, you can have five, six, or eight. Uh, eight, please. Question number eight. What posthumous honor does Billy receive? I'll, I'll need the choices. Is it a letter of commendation, the Medal of Honor, the Medal of Merit, or the Order of St. Michael? Oh, man. I kind of like the sound of the Order of St. Michael. <sighs> I'm going to go with that, the St. Michael one. I'm glad you like the sound of that because I made it up. Medal of Merit was the answer. <laughs> yeah. uh, so your final question, Josh, you can have five or six. Uh, six, please. What rank is Sean Dignam? Uh, he's a staff sergeant. He is a sergeant for two points. And there wow. is a bonus question. Which Scorsese gangster movie alumnus turned down the role due to other commitments? I have no idea. Joe, do you want to have a guess? Harry Dean Stanton. What a weird choice. Ray Liotta was the answer. And Joe, oh, your final question is question five. What? I don't understand how anyone can have other com I promise you if Martin Scorsese to asked me to be in a movie, I would not have other commitments. Maybe Ray Liotta went to see Kundun and was like, nah, I'm good, thanks. <laughs> uh, what does Costello want to sell to the Chinese gangsters? Uh, no techie, no laundry. Uh, would you like the options? No, it's, it's some kind of information. It's, uh... Would you like the options? Yeah. Guns, cigarettes, microprocessors, or CD Walkmans? Microprocessors. Correct, which means you scored a total of five points, and I'm not going to lie, that's five more than I thought you would actually get in this game. <laughs> well done, Joe. But, Josh, Thank you. you got 11 points. You are a winner. We will give you three items of PokerStars merch, and I will present them to you personally at the Hippodrome Casino when you play the Moneymaker event in a couple of weeks' time. Excellent. Looking forward to it, James. Josh, thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you for watching our stream, signing up to the podcast, and joining Twitter uh, just so you could uh, be a part of the community.
Thank you very much. Just so you could be a departed of the community. Oh. All right, my babies, we are almost out of time for this week's episode of Poker in the Ears. Next week, we will be pokering you in the ears with Poker Movie Monday on a Wednesday. And it is a double bill. We're going to do back-to-back movies. So the entire podcast is going to be dedicated to these two films. They're relatively easy to track down. Um, I don't know what it's like in the States, Joe, but House of Games is definitely on iTunes. Cool Hand Luke is not... But it is available, I think, in on Amazon, either as a digital download or as a DVD or as a Blu-ray. Yeah, House of Games, this is classics tapes here. House of Games I own on Criterion Collection at home. So you're going to have to rent it, even though... I will be paying to rent it, as usual. Whatever's the most expensive light mon- money on fire option, <laughs> so that yeah. is the one. Just to clarify, the two films we'll be discussing, Cool Hand Luke from 1967, House of Games, the David Mamet movie from 1987, super fan lined up, but we want you to watch these films regardless because it's more fun to listen to the show if you know what we're talking about. And otherwise, we'll spoil two good films that you will at some point in your life want to see. Speaking of which, did you uh, did we get any backlash to me not liking The Joker? No, interestingly, the only comment I had on it was from my dad, who I didn't even know listens to this podcast, hi dad, to say Peter Bradshaw and The Guardian agreed with Joe and sent me a link to Peter Bradshaw's review of Joker, which was also quite negative. Yeah, Peter Bradshaw, he knows what's up. Uh, Yeah, so watch those movies, guys. Watch The Joker if you want to get in touch with us. If you want to comment on either of those movies, we'll take your comments ahead of time. We can read them after we do our review of the show. If you want to get involved uh, in the discussion and have your voice be heard while we review them, Uh, please also subscribe, like, comment. James, it's crazy, right, that people still sometimes ask us if there are new shows coming out. I had three guys this week be like, when's Poker in the Ears coming back? All you got to do is subscribe to the show. It's so easy, guys. It's one click generally. It downloads right to your phone or wherever you listen to things. That is all the time we have got for this week's show. House of Games, Cool Hand Luke next week. Until then, for James Hardigan, I am Joe Stapleton. Smell you later. Later.